Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, church. Great to see you today, all those of you here in Waukesha. We also have those joining us at our campus in Muskego and our campus in Waterford, and then our online campus also reaching all into many different parts of the world as well. I'm Pastor Rob, so good to be here with you. You know, in early 1990s, Nike was the most popular shoe among teenage boys. Anybody question that? No, it was a huge deal, right? But they were losing ground to another company called Reebok. And so as Reebok was making some noise, Nike thought, we got to do something about this. We got to shake things up here. And so what they did is they hired an NBA player. Now, some of you are thinking, I know who that player is. How many think they, they know who that person is? It's not that person, okay? His name is Charles Barkley. How many thought Charles Barkley? Okay, a few of you did, all right, good. The round mound of rebound was the guy they hired because Charles had been thinking of something for several years and he actually approached Nike asking if he could be a part of a commercial. And so they said yes, and so in 1993, Nike ran a commercial in which Barkley uttered these words. I am not a role model. Whoa. It's like, why would he say that? And the interesting thing was this, is that Barkley would go on that very same year and be voted the league's most valuable player, beating out Akeem Olajuwon and that other guy that you're thinking of, right? Michael Jordan. He beat both of them as becoming the most valuable player that year. So why in the world would he make that statement when he had so much influence? Either Barkley didn't have a clue who he was, or he didn't want the responsibility that came with the opportunity that he had been given. And many people believed it was a second, and Barkley would even probably told you himself it was a second. He didn't want to carry that weight on his shoulders. And so it began a great debate, even amongst several other superstars like Carl Malone, who publicly disagreed with Barkley. Even the commissioner, David Stern, said, you cannot wear anything that says the NBA on it or the Phoenix Suns on it while you're in that commercial because he disagreed with what Barkley was trying to say. We would struggle with that, and many did, because he had so much potential for positive influence and he didn't want to take it and grab it and use it for good. He was a tremendous impact on the youth who enjoyed watching him play basketball, and he was very good at it. Well, today we're gonna look at a similar idea here, becoming who you already are, because that's what Barclay refused to do, is to admit to and become who he already was. And God wants you, if you're a Christ follower, and even if you're not, he wants you to become who you already are. And we're gonna look at that in a moment, but before we do, what I wanna do is I want you to picture yourself sitting with Jesus on the side of a hill. And he's teaching his greatest sermon that he ever taught while he walked this earth. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about it a little bit, but we're launching into a new series here called The Rock because of some of the very, very important things that Jesus said. You see, in this sermon, it's very short, it's very unique, has all kinds of statements, great truths for us, and then he wraps all those truths up at the end. And he does so by telling us this, everyone is building a life. Everyone 
Every one of us is building a life and you're either building on the rock or on sand. It's one or the other. And Jesus wants you to build your life on the rock. Those who build their life on Jesus are building on the rock. Those who are building their life on sand are building it on something that will not last. And they'll end up like this. It will be ruined because you're not building on something that's going to last forever. But you have a choice because you can build on something else. And this should mean something to all of us here in Wisconsin, right? Never been there myself, but there is a house on the rock. That rock, though, we're talking about is Jesus. And he wants you to build on him. And here's why. Because Jesus wants what we are building to last forever. And so he gives these truths, and he simply says, the difference between building on sand and building on rock is this. You hear my words, that's common to both, but do you do them? That's building on the rock. Building on Jesus himself building on his teachings as well. And so we're gonna look at some of those teachings even starting today in this series, The Rock. We spent a few weeks, like I said, an introduction here on the Sermon on the Mount. It was called The Beatitudes. You might remember it. It's a series called Deep Happiness. If you weren't here with us for that, I'd encourage you to go back. You can listen to those, watch those. The easiest way to do that is use that QR code or go directly to our app and go ahead and see how he introduced this whole sermon that he was preaching and teaching in that day. But let me ask you this. Have you ever struggled with who you are? Or maybe who you're becoming, even. And a real struggle. Like, I don't know if I like this, even. Well, when it comes to who we are, I found that most of us do a pretty inadequate job of seeing ourselves as God sees us. God tells us how he sees us many times in scripture. I just want to give you one just to, to contemplate as we begin because we need to, to understand what God says about us. And so for that, I want to go to Ephesians chapter two. You don't need to turn there, but I do want you to read it with me if you would. Ephesians chapter two and verse number 10. Together, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you catch what he said there? Do you believe that? And do you hold on to it? You see, we are created in God's image. Now, that image got messed up with sin. It did. But still, we are his handiwork. This is even after sin, he's saying. We are his handiwork. But he didn't stop there. He said, not only did I create you in this magnificent way, there's other versions that call it a masterpiece is who you are. He says, not only that, but I, I created you that way, but I also created something that will continue. And that is, as you do good works, as you do good deeds, it brings glory and honor to me. And so he tells us that he created us in advance to do those good works. Not so that we could be saved. This is where we get confused sometimes. Sometimes we think that, you know what, yeah, I have to do those good works. You notice that word, right, that we use? I have to. I have to do those good works because it's going to make God love me. No, it doesn't. You see, we do good works because God already loves us, not to get him to love us. And so he created us that way. He created us as his handiwork to do good works, 
Well, what does Jesus have to say about this? For that, what I want you to do is I want you to get past some of the things that we fall into, these traps. You see, God made you to be a difference maker, but sometimes we walk past our influence because we think, no, the only difference makers in this world are people who do big things. Big things like create movements, discover a cure for a horrific disease like AIDS or cancer, or people who help wipe out poverty in a foreign country or they create technology or even those who reach superstar level in sports or acting or music. We think those, that's how you make a difference. And we step past the everyday influence that we have and we all have it. Every single one of us are influencing every single day. Those who are in closest proximity to us the most, in fact. And so don't look past the everyday opportunities that God gives you. You might be thinking, how am I an influencer? How am I a difference maker? Well, Jesus used two metaphors in this sermon. This time I do want you to turn. Grab a Bible if you would, because I think this is gonna be well worth your time to open it up there. Matthew chapter five. You got a physical Bible. It's the first book of the New Testament. It wouldn't be halfway though, okay? Old Testament takes up most of the Bible, but maybe if you go over three quarters, you'll find the book of Matthew chapter five. If you don't have a physical Bible, grab a phone or smart device, download the Bible app even if you don't already have it on your phone. Matthew chapter five, and I want you to drop down to verse number 13. He's gonna give us two metaphors. Love metaphors, because they're pictures. They're not pictures, how many like pictures? You like pictures when you read, right? Yeah, so do I. Cuts out a lot of words, doesn't it, at that point, okay? All right, this doesn't have the pictures, but what's gonna happen is Jesus is gonna paint a picture right up here for you. He's gonna paint two of them for you. The first one is this. We see it in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So what does he say first? First metaphor is what? You are what? Salt. You are the salt of the earth, he says. You are salt. When you think of salt, do you naturally think of anything special? No, why? Because it's so prevalent that we don't even consider the value that it holds. I want you to turn somebody right now beside you and say, you are salt. Go ahead, do it, all right? You are salt. How many feel really appreciated right now? It's like, man, I just love it, right? We get it wrong, we get it wrong. We do, because we think this, right? We think 99 cents. Look at the person beside you and you're saying you're worth 99 cents, right? That's what we're thinking. Because this is the word picture that Jesus just used, right? No, they didn't have Morton's back then, okay? You didn't just go in the grocery store and buy it. You didn't. So you need to put that word picture away. Just put it totally away, okay? That is not what he's saying here. So we have to go back into some context, obviously, to understand what he is saying. But I'm gonna tell you before we get there even. He's saying this. You don't have salt, you don't have life. So we need you to be salt so there's life in this world. We need that. We desperately, desperately need salt and you need to be the salt. You need to bring the life into this world that we live in. The human body can't live without some sodium. Now we take in a whole lot more than we need, okay? I'm guilty of that, anybody else guilty of that? Yeah, a whole lot more, okay? But salt has sodium and chloride in it. And so we get the sodium. It's needed to transmit nerve impulses. It even contracts and relaxes muscles, including your very own heart. You need it for that. How many are saying, man, can you just save that for me just in case we run out, right? Now you're beginning to see there's some value here, right? 
Not only that, but it also gives life to our blood vessels. And it gives us proper fluid balances. I had one of my friends who was sitting in a teaching meeting. All of a sudden he got up and he was about ready to scream and he's holding his leg. Do you know why? He'd just been on a major, major bike ride. And guess what he didn't do? Intake salt. Or water for that matter. (laughs) And he was paying for it at that point. You see, our bodies will tell us the value of salt. It will. It will tell you, you need it. You will crave it even, because you have to have it in order to live. Well, that's just physical life. In Jesus' time, salt was a very valuable commodity. It was referred to as white gold. Now, that changes everything, right? If I had me a little gold, man, can you imagine if every little drop of this salt was gold? I would have to have security around me right now, wouldn't I? Because that changes everything. You may be saying, why white gold? Well, here's why. You know our word salary? How many like a salary? Now, that's value, right? Am I speaking value to you yet? That's value. Your salary comes from salt. You may be, wait, I'm confused here. The word does. We get our word salary from the word salt because salt represented a Roman soldier's pay. How much they didn't get paid in salt, some used to think that. But what they thought of was this, I can go buy some salt. And so it was measured a lot of times by their salary because salt was needed. Why was it needed? Because they didn't have ice. They didn't have ice. And so in order to sustain life, and if they wanted any meat or fish, they needed to have salt. Otherwise, it would fall into decay. And so it became a commodity that was of great value. It was white gold. So that same person, okay, turn to them right now and say, you are salt. Do you know what they just said to you? You are gold. And here's why. Because you're needed more than you realize. That's what they just said to you. You are needed more than you realize. And your influence is needed more than you recognize. And don't pull a Barkley. Don't say, not me. I'm a Christian, but I'm not salt. God's going to disagree with you on that one. Still not getting it? Still thinking, it's not a big deal. It's 99 cents. Why is Jesus calling me salt? Because you preserve. That's why. There's two major characteristics of salt. First is you preserve. You see, by being salt of the earth, you're helping build and preserve God's kingdom. Say, God's kingdom, that's, that's somewhere off in the distance. That's after I die. No. You see, we've learned the kingdom of God is anywhere and everywhere what God wants done is being done. You see the connection now? In order for what God wants done to be done, he doesn't just force it on people. He allows us to bring it. And that's what he's saying, I want you to bring my kingdom to this earth. I want you to help others understand. And here's why. If there's no preservation going on, what happens? It decays. Anybody have this idea just these last few weeks, these last few years, maybe your entire life? 
our world is not getting better. Anybody else kind of like, oh man, yeah. Because it's in decay, because that's what's natural, is decay unless you have preserves. Usually we think it's preserves is bad, preservatives, right? Not salt. We need to preserve what God wants done. Because if we pull back, who knows what's gonna happen? We get little tastes of that, just like we did. Again, just this last week, we scratch our heads and think, how could someone just start shooting people? How can they do that? And you begin to step back from it saying, I just wanna go hide somewhere. And God's saying, no, you need to step in. And you might be thinking, it's too late. Okay, for that instance, it's too late. But what if somebody spoke truth? What if someone came in and showed the love of God and changed hearts? We need to preserve, we need to help make sure that what God wants done is being done. Sometimes it's by what you say, but it also needs to be backed up with what you do. And I'm not just saying preach at people. Sometimes that makes it worse, honestly. You experience that? How many of you have said, you've made this commitment, I am not watching the news anymore for the rest of my life. Anybody else make that commitment? Okay, yeah, yeah. How many made this one? I am staying off social media, man. I am just staying off social media. Yeah. And then you lose all your friends and you get lonely, right? And you get back on, right? <laughs> but why do you do that? Because you see that preservation is not happening. In fact, you see that somebody's stepping in, maybe even with good intentions, and they're ticking somebody else off, and these two people used to be friends, and they're mutual friends of yours, and you're scratching your head thinking, what am I gonna do about this? And you need to help preserve, preserve their relationship, help preserve what God wants done so it can be done. And it's not always gonna come through our words, but we need to watch our words. Think about it. Most people will disagree with your words, but they won't disagree with your actions. When you're salt in your actions, people wanna be around you. And then maybe you can share some of those words at that point too that they need to hear because it's gonna be a both and. Being salt's gonna require both, action as well as words. Are you building your life on the rock, on Jesus? Are you helping him preserve? Are you? Are you building it on sand? Sand's not gonna last. What you build on it will not last. Not only does salt preserve, it also flavors. We don't think much of it until it gets to a flavor, right? In fact, you ever think about this? We think so little of salt in Wisconsin, we dump truckloads of it on our roads. <laughs> and then we complain about the rust that it causes, don't we? Isn't that so weird? Yeah, but not when it comes to flavor. How many are like this, you know what? The meal gets set down in front of you and before you even taste it, you get out the salt and you start putting it on. How many are like that? It happened to me. My wife's like, I already salted that. It's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? Because we want a little flavor. We want a lot of flavor. We want to bring some flavor and we've got accustomed to having that salt taste. Well, you bring out the flavor of Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, you bring out the flavor of Jesus in your home, in your school, and at work, in your neighborhood. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, this is one of the things that Jesus desires for you. He wants you to have that kind of influence to help others be pointed to him, 
That's what he wants. He wants you to have some flavor to you, some flavor that's gonna result in your good works that are gonna bring glory to God. He wants you to make a lasting difference in this world. Who doesn't want that? It comes by pointing people to him, though. And for some of us, that's the scary part. If you want your work environment to be better, then you need to be a difference maker. And you need to bring that influence to work with you. I say, I can't do that. You can. I have a friend. He's 33 years old. Love the guy. We meet with him regularly. He, first time he met with me, he said, how do you get people to want to hear about Jesus and to know they need him? I'm like, that's a hard thing to do. I said, it's not all on you, so don't carry that whole weight yourself, okay? Some of that's their own heart and some of that's God, but some of it is on you. You gotta be salt. It ended up in him inviting several of his coworkers to be a part of a conversation about Jesus during work, not during work hours. That's what he's doing right now. At work, and he doesn't work for a church, believe it or not, okay? He doesn't. He works for a finance company. It's like, man, he's being salt at work. Now you might think, well, my boss wouldn't let me do that. Then don't do it. Don't do it at work hours. But do it with the people at work. It may mean lunch, it may mean after work, it may mean in a coffee shop, wherever it may be. Those are the relationships that God has you in. If you're thinking, but I don't like those people, then you're not being good salt probably at that point, okay? Be salt. Influence at work, at school. We want our schools to be better. Don't just sit back and wait for it to happen. Be the difference maker that God intended you to be. No one's gonna fight you that there needs to be change in our schools. No one's gonna fight you on that. So be that salt. What about our home? Oh, don't, don't touch that one, please, right? Yeah. What about home? Means if you want your spouse and your children to know Jesus and follow him, then you need to bring the flavor. Some of you are thinking, I'm not the one. I'm not the spiritual lead in my home. You don't have to be the spiritual lead in your home in order to do it. What do you need to do? Pray, start there. Pray personally. Pray with the family together. Read your Bible personally and with your family. Might be like, I, I can't do that. They might ask me a question. That's okay, you know what you do when somebody asks you a question? You say, go find the answer, right? That's what every good parent does. <laughs> and when they do, they can come teach you something. Then you'll both know the answer. You want to have a change in your home, then you need to step into that role and be the salt. How many of you had a difference make in your life that pointed you to God? And you can remember that person even. Yeah, so did I. Weren't you so grateful for them? Mine, his name was Brian. You see, I'd started going to a new school. I had to ride a bus in order to do that. And this is what I found the first time I got on this bus. I was gonna go sit down and somebody moved over so I couldn't sit there. I'd walk to the next seat, somebody moved over so I couldn't sit there, even my own brother. Now, come on, you gotta expect he's two years older. He's the older brother, okay? He wouldn't even let me sit with him. So I thought, I'm gonna stand until one young man said, hey, hey, you can sit by me. His name was Brian. You might think that's being salt. That's the beginning of salt right there, showing care, showing kindness, showing love. And as we sat there, we got into a conversation. 
And he asked me, hey, do you go to church anywhere? I thought, well, that's kind of a strange question. I said, no, I don't. My family doesn't go to church. He goes, would you like to go to church? I said, uh, maybe. I, I can't get there. He goes, that's okay, we got it covered. We'll come pick you up. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to church. And that started an introduction to Jesus. And I found out who Jesus was and how he died on the cross for my sins to save me. And I became a Christ follower because someone was not afraid to be salt, to bring the flavor of Jesus into my life. And then it rippled into my family and it changed all of us. Think about that. We need to be that for someone else. We need to be the difference maker for someone else. He doesn't stop with salt. But he says if salt loses its saltiness, kind of a weird thing, isn't it? Can it really happen? No. Jesus isn't saying, look, it's gonna totally lose its flavor. But what can happen to salt is this. It can be polluted, tainted, Right? You ever thought, you know what, I need a little salt on my meat. Man, we don't have any in the home, you know, we didn't have any of this stuff, right? So it's wintertime, you go out and you wipe your car down with the towel, you taste it, and it's like, ooh, that tastes like salt. I think I'll put a little on my meat. <laughs> Not gonna happen, right? Because it's no good. It's no good for that. You see, it lost its greatest value, the flavor and the preservation. It lost it. It's only good to be thrown on the road, to be driven over, to melt the snow. And you're not gonna use it for anything but that because it's been tainted. How's our salt get tainted? Hypocrisy is the number one way. You see, instead of trying to pretend to be someone that you're not, and I'm not talking like Charles Barkley pretending, I'm talking when you make a mistake, own it. Ask for forgiveness and change. Don't let your salt get tainted. Live, live out your best life, the best you can like Jesus lived his, but different from Jesus, when you sin, don't be a hypocrite and pretend that you're perfect. Own up to it. Ask for forgiveness and move on with your spouse, with your kids, yes, with your kids even, with your family and your friends. Not only with salt, God says another metaphor. Jesus uses another metaphor here. And we find it in verse number 14 through 16. If you go back there with me. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. There's those good works again. And what? And glorify your Father in heaven. You are salt. You are what? You are light. Come on, you can do better than that. You are what? You are light. It's so obvious. It's around us all the time, right? We enjoy it so much that we forget that it's in existence until it goes away. We walk outside and the sun warms our skin. We walk inside and we have bulbs in order to light up the room so we can see and not walk around in the darkness. We have LEDs so we can entertain ourselves on our big screen TVs and our smartphones. All that because of light. So prevalent, again, we forget the value of it. But again, Jesus is saying, light is life. It's life. 
It brings life. It will bring eternal life because Jesus is the true light. And you might be thinking, I'm confused. Are we the light or is Jesus the light? Yes. You see, we reflect the sun, Jesus, the source of light. The sun is the source and the point is praise. We get a little glimpse of this difference making and how big a deal it is. When we share the message, we're being the light that God intended. That's why you hear us at Fox River say, our heart is people and our message is Jesus. Because when our message is Jesus, we're being the light and we're bringing the light. We're bringing it to others. Don't waste this. How ludicrous would this be? How ludicrous would it be? He even paints a picture, didn't he? He said, we don't turn on a light, or in that case, light a candle and then put a bowl over it. We don't say, I'm a Christian, but let me hide it, is what he's saying. We don't say, I love God, but I'm gonna hide my love for God. You don't do that. That would be nuts. But the problem is, we do do that when it's inconvenient. We do that when we're afraid of the risk. Somebody might make fun of us. They might persecute us. They might make hard this life that we already think is hard. Say, no, you put it on a stand and let it shine. That's what you do. You let others know that you're a Christ follower, unapologetically, so they can see him through you. One of the greatest ways to do this, if you've never done this, let me encourage you to do it. Be baptized with believer's baptism as an adult. If you've never been baptized after receiving Jesus, you're hiding your light. And he wants you to go public, and that's what baptism does. It goes public with your faith, and it says, I am unashamed to let others know that I am a Christ follower. If you've never been baptized, go to the QR code. You'll see a spot on there that says baptism. Find out more about it. We've got outdoor baptism. It's gonna be a fantastic time at every single one of our campuses, August 6th and 7th, that weekend. We're gonna do outdoor baptisms, the highlight of the year. Fantastic time, but go public with your faith. Let others see your light. Notice that Jesus didn't say, if you choose to be salt and light. You need to become who you are. He didn't say, if you choose to be salt and light, but you do have a choice. But it doesn't take away from the fact that other people expect it of you. You see, you can't pull a Barclay at this point. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I refuse to be salt. I refuse to be light. That's just hypocrisy. He says, no, you need to step into it to follow Christ, to start becoming who Jesus says that you already are because there's an expectation and there's a responsibility to make a difference because if you don't, who's going to? If we don't preserve God's kingdom, who's going to? If Christ followers will not bring the flavor of Jesus, then who's going to? If we won't illuminate so that others can see Jesus in us and through us, who's going to? We need to be that. And he tells us to become who we already are. Remember, Jesus is that source of light. The sun is the source, the point is praise. You're light because you reflect Jesus. And even though when people see your good works, you may get a pat on the back, that's okay. But you need to point them to Jesus. You need to point them to God. When you do your good works, it tells us what that is for. 
It's so that others will bring glory to God. That they might also trust Jesus as their Savior. So, here's my question for you. How are you going to do this this week? You ever notice that for salt to be any good, it has to be applied, right? It has to get really close, really close to whatever you're trying to flavor. Salt, for it to be any good, to illuminate, it has to be in close proximity with whatever you're trying to see. Christ follower, in order for you to make a difference on somebody else, you have to be close enough to them that they can see the light and glorify God. Who are you that close to? And how are you going to make the difference? Who is it and how? I want you to think of those specifically. I mean, would say right now, I know somebody that needs my light. I know I need to be salt and light with someone this week. You'd say, that's me. I know it. You have family or friends. Let me just flip-flop it. How many of you know somebody that needs salt and light, okay? We all do, right? Yes. God wants you to be that person. How will you do that this week? If you've never trusted Christ, God wants that kind of influence for you, that you would influence others so that they might come to know who he is. Have you done that? If not, why not? Today's the day. So let me ask you to pray with me. If you've never trusted Christ, but you're ready to right now, you wanna be that salt and light, would you just tell him? Maybe pray a prayer like this, dear God. I know that my relationship with you is broken because I'm a sinner. God, I believe that Jesus came to die on a cross to shed his blood so that I could be saved. And I want that salvation. And so I'm trusting right now, believing that Jesus died for me. And I ask you to help me, God, with this responsibility to share that with others, to be that salt, to be that light. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you and you say, Pastor, I wanna receive Christ today. Would you just raise your hand? Just indicate that with me right now, right here at our campuses as well, online. Let us know in the chat there. All right. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're a Christ follower, you can say, I'm committing to do something about this. I'm not gonna step back anymore and say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not salt and I'm not light. I don't have that influence. But you'd say, God, help me to be that influence. Christ follower, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, I'm making that commitment. Okay, all right, thank you. Lord God, help us to be who you created us to be, to be the influencers in this world to help bring your kingdom everywhere we go, God. Not just look at it as sometime later when I get to heaven, but right here and right now on this earth, we get to be a part of your kingdom and we can help others come into that kingdom. We praise you, we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and everyone in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.